Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis might be more fascist than Donald Trump and just a little bit smarter. It's not necessarily, oh, we're going to have a civil war soon, but I'm just saying, if you look at that statistic there, it shows that because the civil war is, is over, doesn't mean that animosity just goes away, or you automatically are like, yeah, we were wrong, hey, I'm so sorry, yeah, we were wrong. This is the Snap Up, where each week, Tim Costello and Scott Barzilla help you digest their favorite stories from the world of sports and politics. The, the history books have gotten away with a lot of the bad things that we've done as society because they were non-Christian nations. And just like the dreaded Snap Book, don't be surprised when we start bringing you over to the left side of the fairway. Back in the good old days, you could have gotten a job doing just about anything if you sat there and said, I have a college degree. But now, that's not the case. So we're going to sit there, we're going to back on these kids. We're going to sit there and say, you're going to owe, you know, thousands of dollars of debt. And in many cases, some of them pay for maybe twenty dollars or $30,000 they borrow. They might pay two or $300,000 in their lifetime with all the competitive interest. And now here are your hackers of the week, Tim Costello and Scott Barzilla. Welcome back into the Snaphook Podcast. Tim Costello, Scott Barzilla coming to you a day late, but no dollars short. Uh, as my daughter had a Tuesday night soccer game last night, so that's going to push us back as parental duties sometimes just get in the way, Scott. I, I get you. I mean, I'm right now I'm sitting in an empty house because uh, you know, my daughter's been in both choir and band. Uh, she doesn't think she's in band. She's in color guard, she says. Those are the mm. flag people. Those are the flag people. But, you know, when we went to open house on Monday night, where did we go for her class? We went into the band room. You know, I'm with her on that, though. I would be a little annoyed if I had to, like, go to band and I didn't play an instrument. Like, my voice is my instrument, right? Like, back off. Like, I feel like maybe the band director, Scott, are missing out on an opportunity to maybe maybe have her mic'd up out there for a little bit. And, and uh, the first ever, like, flag twirler solo taker in the Clear Lake or Clear Brook band's history, maybe. Well, you know, we've been getting uh, we've been getting on her pretty heavy here because, you know, she is 16 years old, will be 17 years old uh, later on this year. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, George Michael and his, you know, great hit with Wham, Careless Whisper. He wrote that when he was 14 years old. Sounds like she's behind. Yeah, exactly. That's what we've been trying to tell her. Taylor Swift released her first album before she was 18. So, you know, uh, yeah. clock's, clock's ticking. Clock is absolutely ticking. Um, you know, maybe you're not strict enough. You know, maybe that's not what it is. Maybe you're not laying down the law on nine to ten hours a day of dedicated songwriting time. I think maybe you need to take away all extracurricular activities and just write songs. That's what it is. Or maybe uh, she just needs like some heartbreak, quite frankly. You know, like T Swift writes a whole album every time she gets dumped. So like, you know, maybe she needs her first boyfriend. She, she she's had some she's had some issues there. So I okay. think she's got she's got some material to work with. Put a little pen to uh, paper, you know. Yeah. So unfortunately fortunately I'm not like Randy. I don't have the the talent to be Lord. 
Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah, quite so. frankly, quite frankly, Randy didn't have a lot of talent either. <laughs> it was it was really uh, a computer computer. That was one of my favorite South Park reveals, Scott. When they when they revealed that like Randy was Lord. Yes. So um, to open us up here, uh, I'm going to give the floor to Tim because you know we had a little wager off the air. Uh, we forgot uh, we to did. mention we forgot to mention this in the last episode. That's a bad well, we on didn't us. Really, we didn't really make the wa- we made the wager after the episode, right? Like yes, you and yeah. I were texting. We, what we didn't mention was you know Scott and I's alma maters uh, were playing. This weekend on Saturday, uh, Scott went to TCU. I went to University of Houston, and um, for the first time, and I don't know how long I, I forgot to look it up. You know, we're or the first time ever actually we're both on the field competing as members of the Big Twelve Conference. Yeah, that is true. That was and the that, conference you know, opener. That was, the, was that was UH's first ever Big Twelve game, and I think it was and the opener of the conference period. I think it was the first. You conference might be right. Um, yeah. And and feeling. Feeling the juices of being a, a new Big 12 member, as, as you could quote me a few times on this podcast so far, I've, I've amped UH, uh, I, I, I made a wager with Scott uh, that I am, you know, in, in position to, to pay off here tonight. So, um, you know, Scott and I bet that the, the loser would have to recite the alma mater uh, and pay homage to two, two uh, school legends. And so we'll get this started with hail all hail TCU, memory sweet, comrades true, light of faith follow through, praise to thee, TCU. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's on you, Dana. Thank you for that. Um, and and to you know continue this on, let's let's talk about you know some praise to LT Ladamian Tomlinson. Some would say the the greatest horn frog uh, to ever to ever set foot in, in Fort Worth. Um, you know, held the record for most touchdowns in a season. Was was the heart and soul of a a very productive uh, North Turner offense uh, and Marty Schottenheimer offense in, in San Diego. Um, you know. Made of made a, a, a Philip Rivers who he was uh, is not is not the quarterback he became without a young um, Ladamian Tomlinson to to lead the way uh, and and also campus legend Gary Patterson who did what Dana could not which was successfully transition into a Power Five conference with grace and poise he put TCU on the map. And he got a brand new stadium built. He had a tough nosed defense. He was constantly in bowl games at the high level. He turned Andy Dalton into a second round pick and somehow bamboozled everybody. Gary Patterson, I wish you would come to Houston and replace Dana Holgerson. Please, please come. Well, he is available because he, you know, he took a uh, grad assistant job, basically, you know, one of those you know, analyst jobs with UT last year. But I think he uh, he flew the coop, so he is uh, he is home waiting for the call. And many many UH fans feel the same way I do. We would love to have Gary Patterson. I personally would love to have Gary Patterson. Uh, you know, I actually looked at TCU, Scott. I took a campus tour. I was there when they were building the stadium. Um, 
you know, the, the, oh, the, house, re- that, the house that Gary built. Oh, when they were reno- renovating. Yeah. They, they, it, the stadium was always there, but they, uh, it had the reputation of being the tallest stadium in the Southwest conference and I actually sat up there, you know, for a parents weekend, uh, when I was back in school and that, I'll tell you what, it, it, if you're afraid of heights, that's not the place to be. <laughs> I had a similar experience at uh, Arkansas Stadium when we saw Garth Brooks. We were literally, Scott, the last seat in the stadium. Like, my back was up against the uh, the chain-link fence that keeps you from falling out the back onto the, the, the splat area. And, uh, yeah, it was it was unnerving, to say the least. But, yeah, um, UH got their ass kicked. It wasn't really even competitive for a majority of the game. I, you know, like the first quarter, I felt like there were a couple of plays that could have been made. Like, okay, let's go. And then quarters two through four, um, we were taken out to the woodshed. And to make matters worse, the Astros lost two that night. So all around shitty Houston day. Well, the unfortunate thing was that actually the game happened. Uh, that was my dad's 80th birthday. Uh, so we were out at the aquarium. You know, eating a nice dinner through most why, of the game. Why, 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 why would you go to the aquarium? That was where he wanted to go. Mm. You know, and that, and and as as somebody who has had that happen to me on my fortieth birthday, they told me I was going to the Cheesecake Factory, and I was like, you know, shouldn't I get to choose where I go mm. on my birthday? But you know, it's okay. It's okay. A good time was had by all. So, you know, that's the important it's like the, thing. It's like the Bay of Pigs. You only make that mistake once. You only go to yeah. the aquarium one time before you realize, like, massive disappointment. But, you know, that's, yeah. just, that's just Tillman. Well, Tillman, the problem with Tillman is that yeah, even the silverware is a la carte. So, but anyway, we I was hoping to be able to go see that game live. And, and that just didn't happen. But I guess to move us beyond just this, you know, one game... You know, I wanted to take some time to talk about the the landscape of the Big 12-16 and the landscape of college football as a whole. You know, to see, you know, we, we were about three to four weeks in. I know uh, TCU's played three games, and I think U of H has also played three games. So I, I know you uh, you were rumbling, you know, on, on that night about uh, Dana not making it through the season or through the week. You know, so what are your thoughts now that you've been separated by a few days here? I, I still don't think Dana makes it through the season. I really don't. I, I think the fans, the fans want his head. And you know, I read a, a, a thread um, the other day that really changed my mind on the athletic director too. I think he's got to go, and it it really laid it out in a way that was eye opening to me in a way that the university of Houston has really just bungled the last like four months. Every other team that joined the big 12 had a social media release set to go at 1201 AM. UH is one at 9 AM the next morning. You're nine hours behind everybody else. UH comes out with a banger Jersey for the season opener. That everybody wants. It wasn't for sale for like two days. The, 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 the facilities are not Big 12 worthy on a football side of things right now. And when you look at what's been acceptable for Dana, um, he, he's sitting up there talking about, I've told you for two years now, you know, we got to get ready for the Big 12 with depth. 
well, what the fuck, man? You, you just sit there and said, I've been saying it for two years. Go recruit. You had two years to go recruit to be ready to play in the Big 12, and you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You you fought and, and clawed to get the quarterback that we have, Donovan Smith, a transfer from Texas Tech, who's got some pretty good raw skills and abilities. UH is stacked at wide receiver. You have ridiculous talent across the board at wide receiver. And what do you do? You hand it off up the middle all fucking day and get stumped. And you call terrible plays. And you don't use this guy's athleticism. And that's the kind of shit that gets you fired. He had one good year with Clayton Toon where he had NFL talent scattered across that roster. And then everything else has been a giant disappointment for Dana. I, when, when we hired him, I was so excited because it was the first time a major coach chose to come to UH. And to me, it was like, that's the sign that we're getting into that power five conference. Finally, like we're getting that big time coach. We're not going to get an up and comer. Who's going to get stolen away from us to go to the big 12, like Tom Herman, like Kevin Sumlin, like Art Bryles previously, we're going to get a guy who's been there. Who's done that. Who's won at a high level. And I was pumped about it. And I got a call from my cousin who lives in West Virginia. who's a season ticket holder for West Virginia. And he's like, you're going to hate this move in three years. You're going to absolutely hate it in three years. It took four, four and a half. But yeah, I fucking hate the move now because Dana doesn't have that fire. He doesn't have the it factor. I mean, it's it's apples to oranges when you look at a guy like Deion Sanders who can come in and completely reignite your entire program. But let's look on campus and see what Kelvin Sampson has done for the basketball program in a similar amount of time too, right? Maybe a couple years longer, but not a crazy amount of time. Kelvin's built an absolute powerhouse that I think can compete for a Big 12 title in year one. What does Dana have? We might go winless this year in the Big 12 on a football side of things. We might get beat by fucking Sam Houston State this week because we've already lost to Rice, for a, a Rice, for, for Christ's sake. Uh, so a few, th- a few things that, that kind of hit me. Number one, you mentioned Deion Sanders. You know, to me, there's probably no more... Uh, say controversial figure in college football he was actually number two for the tcu job and i have a lot of buddies who were extremely disappointed that he was not the guy at tcu the thing is what impressed me about sonny dykes is that he went out and he got a top-notch defensive coordinator the guy who was at tulsa who you know shut down oklahoma's offense Uh, he runs that three three five um Obviously, you know, we're not going to be compared to Alabama when they're at their peak defensively. But whenever you combine the fact that Sonny can he, – he gets the most out of his quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, he goes all the way back to Cal. He had Jared Goff. He got Jared Goff to be a number one overall pick. So he's a guy that can get a lot out of quarterbacks. The, the, the thing I would caution you all about Gary Patterson, what got him run out of town on a rail – was basically that he sat there and said, I'm bulletproof. You know, I'm not going to do anything that y'all want. When everybody was clamoring, hey, bring in a real offensive coordinator. Because, you know, everybody's running the spread. Everybody's running creative offenses. And he was just, he was stuck in the Stone Age. So maybe he's learned his lesson there. Now, I'll tell you what, he can, he can scheme up a defense that can beat anybody. 
Um, he he ran some great defenses over the years. Um, but to me, I, I don't know who that next guy for U of H would be. Because to me, say, uh, you know, Patterson's maybe got like maybe five years before he would be kind of retirement age. So, you know, do you want that kind of a guy or would you rather have somebody who's young and, and innovative, you know, who maybe gets plucked, but you know what is going to win you ball games in the meantime? Because all three guys you mentioned, that's what they did. They won ball games and that's why they got plucked. Absolutely. And that was, but that was what we were designed to do at that point, right? When we're playing in Conference USA and then into the American Athletic Association or American Athletic Conference, we're, we're, we're a stepping stone, right? Any coach who does well, any coach has one good season. Like if you go 10, 12 wins in conference, you would say you're probably gone. Like we had someone a lot longer than we should have because Case Keenum got hurt twice. You know, it is what it is. But we had a second round pick. I mean, Kevin Cobb was a second round pick out of the University of Houston playing in Conference USA. Bryles is gone. Bryles put up number at Baylor. You know, Bryles couldn't control his players, but his offense was, you know, working. And as we see with Kendall out there now. Uh, you know, the offense is still successful. So I, I think you got to go young. Realistically, I say Gary Patterson as a dream, but at the end of the day, I think you're right. He's probably a little bit too old and, and the game is changing. You know, I, I think, I think a guy like, like, like Dion is, is going to make you think differently about the way that you hire. Right. Like, I think it has to, I think if you've got someone, um, young and with the experience in the NFL who honestly just cares about the community and kids. And I'm going to give you my dream scenario right now. And I don't even know if he'd take the job, Scott. I don't even know if he'd take the meeting for the job. Andre Johnson guy is in the Houston community, uh, has been around the city is beloved in the city, knows football. Again, I don't know if he wants a job. I don't know if he's interested at all. But if I'm looking at someone to reinvigorate the program and get kids to want to come play for me and sit there and tell you I can get you to the NFL and I know this city and I love this city and I want to see this city be successful, that's the kind of guy that I'm looking for, right? Like, or shit, call JJ. <laughs> JJ yeah, Watt, you know? Yeah. What's tough is that I, I see Johnson as a guy that wants to be more in the management side. At least that's what he's kind of, you know, looked at from the Texans' point of view. And the mistake you want to avoid is that Clyde Drexler mistake. I agree. Guys who name, you know, he won his first game, but then after that, it's like, does this guy even give a shit? I think that's why Andre's different. I think Andre's invested in the community, and I think Andre loves – I mean, how long has Andre done the take kids shopping on Christmas thing, right? Like, he doesn't – Andre cares about kids. Like, I think – I think it's just different or, or JJ too, right? JJ's a different personality that I think is fiery. And again, these are dream scenarios. Like is the university of Houston going to hire JJ Watt to be their next head coach? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's not going to happen, but I'd love it if it did. Well, you know, my question would be is how many more years is Case Keenum going to play in the NFL? I don't want Keenum. It scares me. Well, like he's a legend. He walks on that campus and he is a god. What happens if he comes there and he's not successful? Yeah, yeah. That's I. I and one of the things I love, and, and this is where I, you know, looking at the the landscape of college football, but in particular, but college sports as a whole. I mean, 
you've got Stanford and Cal who are going to be in the ACC. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and you got coast teams on the Atlantic yeah, Coast Conference. And you've got SMU basically sitting there saying, we're not going to take a dime for 10 years just so you can have us in the ACC. I mean, I'm guessing Florida State and Clemson end up bailing uh, and they end up going to the SEC. Uh, and in that case, that conference just becomes an absolute monster. Um, the thing is with college sports, and this is what and this is what drives me nuts, is that, yeah, I get the entertainment value. And I get the fact that we want things on television. But the huge deal is that you and I can have this grudge match because our teams are separated by four and a half hours of highway. So next year, you know, you well, you live up there already. But next year, I could go up there, drive up to, uh, to Fort Worth and watch U of H TCU play. You're already up there. You could go watch them play. You know, and you could go, you know, we could make the drive over to Waco and watch, you know, either of our teams against Baylor. Um, I'm not driving to Lubbock. I'm not doing that. But, you know. I might actually um, if my wife's a techie. Yeah, that's, if, if that's the case. Yeah, I'll grant you that. But um, definitely, I mean, the more regional stuff you can have, because that's where the ACC was great. It was the ACC? I remember watching online somebody you know put up a, a graphic of the first ACC schools when they became a conference in the early 1950s. I mean, they're in two states, which are are, are tiny compared to Texas. So you could literally drive anywhere and watch your team play. That's just not true anymore. I mean, there's no way. I'm I'm not driving to Cincinnati. I'm not driving to West Virginia. I'm not certainly not driving all the way out to Arizona, you know, to watch, you know, TCU play one of those games. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I love the fact of, of Arizona being in the, in the conference for basketball. I mean, I think you're going to, you're going to see some fireworks between U of H, Kansas, Arizona. I mean, there's, there's some really good basketball programs in the Big 12 I think, it's safe, I think it's safe to say, I mean, we'll get to that when we get there, but I, I think, and I'll go out of the ledge right now, I think Big 12 is going to be the best basketball conference in the country. I think you will have, it, it, I mean, who can touch Who can touch that at the end of the maybe? I mean, just maybe the SEC gets every now and then, but like you're looking at blue blood, uh, pardon me, blue blood programs in Kansas, in Tech in Arizona in now UH you know Texas is a is a damn good bat. I mean it's well they're leaving but still I mean it's it's gonna be a, a Kansas State's a great basketball player. it's gonna be a freaking blood well it, a yeah. Baylor and TCU has been to two tournaments in a row I mean so we're no slouch um, yeah. I mean it's gonna uh, be a bloodbath. So, so we'll, get, we'll get there when the time comes, but yeah. let's get back. To, let's get back to college football because I do think I like where you're going with the changing landscape there. Because I think I think of the other day. Obviously, this goes back to NIL, right? Like if if the athletes are going to be able to be paid, everybody wants to slice the pie. We've got to find a way to make the pie bigger so we can still get ours, right? Like that's that's what the people at the top are doing, and it's. It's at the detriment to the student athletes, but it's at the benefit to the viewer, right? Because I think more of these games are now going to be televised. 
I think they're all going to be available on some network or another. You're going to have you're going to have great matchups from like week three on now, right? Like every week, there's going to be some phenomenal games to watch. You're going to have less cookie cutter bullshit than you've ever had before. Um, and, and realistically, as as we come down to like the the playoff, right? Like more of these teams will have played the tougher games throughout the year. So will we maybe get a a more battle-tested uh, Final Four, Six, or Eight, whatever they end up going to? I, I think that's going to be part of it, too. I think that's not what they were thinking. But I do think if all these teams are in – because at the end of the day, with the new ACC, because the Pac-12 is going away, that's – that's kind of like what happened with the American Conference previously. When everything shuffled, the Big 12 failed, the American formed, they were they were a lesser tier. I think the ACC is going to become a lesser tier, right? That's that's kind of where we're headed. So now you're going to have a big three. You're going to have the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC. You're going to have a majority of your playoff teams coming out of those three schools, and then a fourth maybe can sneak in somewhere else. Well, I think with see and what they did is they announced expansion to twelve. I think it was. Um, you're writing off the Pac two really, you know, really way too soon. I mean, that Oregon State and Washington State matchup, you know, ten times a year, you know, back and forth. I mean, that's that's a hell of a conference right there. <laughs> did you ever watch Parks and Rec? I didn't, unfortunately. No, I, I heard it. So season three, they introduce uh, two new characters, right? And it's it's um, it's uh, God, the, the guy from West, the really good looking guy from West Wing, uh, Rob Lowe. Oh and, yeah, um, the guy who plays Ben Wyatt. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But they come to town and they're like city auditors, and they're there because the town's going bankrupt, and they're there to slash the budget. So like they slash everything to the bone, but the town bitches because they slashed the youth basketball program because it's Indiana and you've got to have basketball in Indiana. So they put it back and like instead of a whole league, they're just two teams. And they're like, what about the whole league? They're like two teams. They're going to develop a hell of a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's where they're at. I In, in that final landscape, though, I, I, they may end up having to rework this thing. I, I thought eight was perfect. Because I think every conference gets an automatic bid. And then with these final four conferences, I mean, you could have, I mean, I guess if you want to have a fifth team, get an automatic bid from a non-power four conference, you know, hey, whoever wins those Washington State, Oregon State matchups, there's there's your fifth team right there, you know, whoever wins the most uh, out of those games. But I think what I like about that setup, though, is that, it makes winning your conference worthwhile because I think the biggest problem that you have is like you're a TCU, you put Colorado on your schedule. I think we're going to be better off for having played the Colorado that we played rather than the one we played last year because we'd be 3-0 right now, but we would have virtually no real test. I mean, except for U of H for a part of that game. And but now we can sit there and say, hey, we see what deficiencies we have coming into conference. Now let's go ahead out and kick some butt. And, you know, who knows? I, I think UT is probably going to be the favorites to win the conference. But you might have the conference champion be six and three, seven and two in conference. 
that's, you know, but at least they get the automatic bid, they get in. And so, I mean, that's more like basketball and that's what everybody loves about basketball. You win your conference tournament, you're in. Doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. And so I'd love to kind of, yeah, I, I, that's a little bit extreme for football, but I think seeing teams. No, because no, I think you're right, because I think the, the, the way things are set up right now, that's why we get the bullshit cookie cutter games at the beginning of the season, right? Because you have to go undefeated. You have to run the table. So you're not really that willing to schedule a lot of hard games at the beginning. You want to play Acorn State. You want to play Rice. You want to play, you know, whoever it is. And so I think if if I agree with you, I for, I for a long time said the winner of every conference should be in the playoff, and then you could fill it with at large after that. So I'm with you. I, I think that's absolutely the way to go. But if we get to the point where you've got three mega conferences and the ACC, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think maybe we're judging SMU a little too unfairly because I I feel like. To me, I feel like the fact that they took them in makes them a lesser conference, right? Like when you look at the teams that make the that make up the ACC, that's not a good football conference. Like it's not a bad basketball conference, and they'll still be competitive on the basketball side of things. They'll kind of be like I said, like the American. But on a football side, like North Carolina's okay. Like Duke can have its moments. Like like you said, Florida State and and Clemson, they're probably gone. And, and then what? SMU like. Who knows? Like they're they're such a, I feel like SMU is such a question mark because we all remember what they can be at their at their height, but also like let's remember there's like sixty grand a year to go to SMU, right? Like it's not it's not cheap. I understand there's scholarships and stuff like that, but still like uh, you know, you're trying to build a culture, and how can you do that when it's an elitist school? That killed me. Their AD was basically saying that they didn't want to play TCU anymore after this year because we're in an inferior conference. And you're like, um, <laughs> but their 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 stadium their stadium was a joke in a lot of ways because their they, stadium's a fucking dump, dude. Well, no, we went in there. We went to watch, and this is back in the LT days, you know. So this has been a while, and going into their stadium. And they have two, you know, they have two gate fours. And it's like two gate threes, two gate. And so I went to the ticket guy and was like, you know, that number five comes after number four, right? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he just, you know, kind of throws the ticket at me. But um, yeah, I, to me. My wife's, my wife's high school's stadium. No, mom's. Is considerably nicer than SMU. It is like my wife went to Allen High School, which is. Um, you know, one of the dominant powers in high school football. They have a ridiculous stadium. But SMU is a dump. It is an absolute dump of a stadium. I feel like it was it is it is on par with the CCISD district stadium. There is nothing special about it. It the concession stands awful. You might as well have like a 15-year-old kid with a with a Mike Tyson on um, Mike For- George Foreman grill doing hot dogs because it you know sorry to any smu people out there but your fucking stadium sucks yeah i'm sorry yeah you probably overheard me talking to the the child when she came through the door so um but anyways i i like where the big 12 is positioned because i think as insane as the geography is in the big 12 it makes a whole lot more sense than geography in any of the other you know major conferences right now uh, particularly when you look at, you know, you've got every Texas school in there except for SMU. Um, 
and I and just so you, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you're coming new to the conference. TCU and Baylor is always a huge rivalry. Um, it's like the Christians against the Baptists. That's what, how we always bill it. Um, tech, not so much, but you know, Tech obviously had some you know huge, huge you know moments in basketball, and Baylor did as well. Now, I'm really looking forward to the basketball season. I mean, to me, you could easily, you know, see. You know, especially with the uh, you know the off you know the off conference schedules, a last place team with fifteen wins, you know in total, because it's just I mean it's going to be brutally hard. Um, I mean the I, I can't think of any pushovers outside of maybe West Virginia, Kansas State sometimes been a pushover, but you know Oklahoma State's been good this year. Oklahoma and Texas are still in there. I think yeah, I, I'm with you. I, if I had to pick one, Houston would be my pick right now uh, to be conference champions. Although, you know, Kansas is good every year too. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, Kansas is always good. Like you don't even need to know who they recruited or who's on the roster. You could just pencil Kansas to be like a top three seed in the NCAA tournament because it's just Kansas and it's what they do. Um, but yeah, Scott, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see this Big 12 go forward because – Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. You know, the Arizona's coming in. Um, but yeah, I think geographically speaking, the Big Twelve makes the most sense. You know, the Big Ten with with uh, USC and Cal and Oregon. Like, I mean, it is what it is, though, right? This is this is capitalism at work. Money has crept into the system, um, and and it's. It's doing this right at the end of the day. What is what is any different than, um, you know, Andrew Carnegie going around and buying up other other businesses that you know interfere with his product versus the Big Twelve picking up schools from other conferences? You know, there's no difference. There's absolutely no difference. This is a business. It's the business of sports. And at the end of the day, these conference commissioners they're there to help these universities make money. And the universities, you, you can talk to any president of the university and they'll tell you that, that sports is the front porch of your university. And a, and a good football team leads to increased enrollment. It leads to more donations from your alumni base. And it leads to a happier student body. So at the end of the day, those numbers back up you know, at least kind of the moves that are being made as far as the, the goal of a college president or the goal of a, uh, you know, conference president, as far as you and me, you know, who, you know, let's, you know, I'd love my daughter to play college golf one day. Right. You know, that's, that's every golfer's dad's dream, but like my goal, my, I'd love for her to go to UH and play golf there. Well, look at where all these tournaments are going to be now. Right. Like, the travel for a dad to go watch their kid or even for football. What if your kid, you live in California and your kid goes to USC, how much money are you going to spend going to watch your kid play their college careers? You know, a majority of it's going to have to be the home games and then road is going to be TV where previously in the PAC 12, what you could drive to UCLA, you could drive to Cal, you could drive to um, Arizona really, if you wanted to, it's a longer drive, but you could still do it. You're not driving to Michigan. You're not driving to Ohio State. Like, come on. 
Yeah, I think uh, in the last, you know, we mentioned uh, Deion Sanders before. To me, there's, you know, there's some people, and, and he's a divisive figure for some reason. I'm all for it. I'm loving it. Because you know what he does is that he makes you at your school, you got to be on top of your game. If Dana wants to keep his job, he's going to have to go out there and kick some tail and he's going to have to, you know, recruit his ass off because, you know, Deion Sanders, especially with NIL, but even without NIL, he's like a cheat code. I mean, he, he's got so, so much natural charisma that he can, you know, recruit some of the best athletes. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of um, consternation over what happened with Hunter, um, the, the kid this week that, you know, as the two-way player got a lacerated, was a kidney, I think, lacerated kidney, um, because of a, a late hit that was just, you know, completely uncalled for. And, you know, apparently, the, you know, that kid from Colorado State was getting death threats. And yeah, I saw that. That's, and, that's disgusting. And that's Sanders, awful. yeah, Sanders came out and said, "No, this is not what we're doing." You know, and I saw you know in the middle of the game, I was watching you know when we were playing them. He and Sonny hugged each other during the middle of the game. If you if you are confident in yourself, and if you know you know if you know that you can bring it, you gotta love having Deion Sanders because that's bringing more eyeballs to your conference. Absolutely, yeah, and and that Colorado State Colorado game was one of the highest rated games. Yep. Yeah. When was the last time people watched Colorado yeah. State football? Uh, probably when TCU was in the conference with them. That's the last time I watched them. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else, but you know. So to me, if you're if if you know to kind of tie this in a bow, if you're looking at U of H, which you know I I have a master's from U of H Kerr Lake, so I'm kind of U of H adjacent. I guess you kind of say my, my friends give me a hard time, you know, from TCU to me, you, you got to take this opportunity to go out. You got to get somebody has some cachet. You're in the big, big 12, 16. You're in a power four conference. Now you can go out and get somebody. And I, and I don't know who that is. I mean, Andre Johnson's an interesting suggestion. Um, I don't think JJ Watson going to be into coaching, but, um, there, but there's got to be some, you know, other folks out there who you can pluck, who are already doing a great job wherever they're at. Uh, and you could be that one who plucks the next up and comer. Um, but yeah, I think Dana's kind of run his course here. And, and for me, as a general college football fan, as a fan of the Big 12, it, it, I'm happier when everybody's good because when you beat a good team, you get that good feeling. When I beat a team that sucks, it's like, okay, whatever. It's like when we beat SMU almost every year. Eh, Okay. That's great. But, you know, beating U of H, I mean, that felt pretty good. And if U of H gets it back, it's the ball rolling. It's going to feel that much better if we beat y'all again. And the same thing is true with Baylor tech. I mean, with Texas, definitely TCU's beaten them multiple years, and, and that is an absolute joy every time we do that. So give me the best that you can give me. Go out and get somebody. I, I, I am all for that. I'm with you. And I think the thing with Dion and what, what you either love or hate about Dion is about the same thing with a player. He talks shit. Dion talks shit up to and through the game. But you know what? 
at the end of the game, Dion's a, a competitor who could look you in the eye and say, hey, man, good game. Either I owned your ass, but you played well and I respect your, your hustle out there, dap you up, good game. Or, hey, you beat me today. Man, I don't like that, but, hey, you played the right way. Or if you if you didn't, he might continue to talk shit. But that's just who Dion is. And Dion's never changed who he is. And De- and that's what these kids like about Dion. Dion is Dion. He's still prime. But you know what? He brings prime time attention to your program. And he brings prime time attention to your conference. And he brings prime time attention to your school when he comes to play that week. So you're absolutely right, Scott. I think he's good for college football. Um, and I think it'd be a great it'd be a great thing for more college teams to to find guys like him um i just i just don't know who that's going to be right like i'm looking at like former college i mean former high school uh, nfl players who got into like high school coaching and it's like if that's how you want to go right cuz Dion was a high school coach so but it's just like we saw that with Jeff Saturday. Like he came to the NFL and sucked. Um, you know, a guy I went to to sixth grade with, Alonzo Highsmith Jr. Um, you know, he he coaches high school, but you know, he doesn't really have any affiliation with with Houston. Um, I don't know. It's 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 tough. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. But it's you know. UH is still trying to figure out their coaching decision, right? The, the Texans made their coaching decision, Scott. And I think maybe some Texans fans are maybe a little disappointed at 0-2 uh, two weeks in. Maybe some questionable decisions coaching-wise that have been made on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe the, maybe a little disappointed in the defense in week two. But overall... Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of real bright points we've seen so far in this in this Houston Texans team, to, despite that 0-2 record. I think, you know, the first thing people are going to look at, you know, especially when we take a big step back, is that big draft trade. Trading their own first-round pick. Because right now, you know, we're going to be playing Jacksonville Sunday. We're going to be playing Jacksonville with, you know, half of our offensive line out. We're staring down the barrel of 0-3. And, you know, 0-3 teams, by and large, don't make the playoffs. But, you know, they also, you know, you're looking, you're staring at a top five pick. And the Cardinals, God love them. They played well enough to win, but have lost both times. Well played, Cardinals. They're going for that number one overall pick. And, and, and I, you know, I salute you. But... Is it possible to have made a good trade for Will Anderson, the right guy, pick the right quarterback in C.J. Stroud? Because he looks better than Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson. And still have it be a bad trade overall because, you know, the Cardinals line up two top five overall picks. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have been in that room and, and, and wished we could have maybe traded the Browns pick. Right, you know, and not be just not be tied to Deshaun Watson anymore. Have our own, have our own future in our own hands. But at the end of the day, Scott, you know, we have our quarterback. Um, at least so far, if we don't get him killed, because God, that, that offensive line. I, and Chance, let me just answer your question first, and then 
I, I do think you could have made the right call and it still bite you in the ass a little bit from some from draft stock purposes. But I'm happy with Will Anderson. I'm over the moon happy with Will Anderson. And so far, what I've seen from CJ Stroud is is nothing but poise under pressure and um, progress every day. He's better every time I see him. Well, I really like um, you know the development we're seeing with Tank Dell. That was a great game he played, you know, on Sunday. And thank God Noah Brown got hurt because that's what it took for him to get out there. Um, but you know, nice that that twenty-three yard touchdown. I mean, that, that move or you know, basically he broke that guy's ankles. You know, just going into the end zone. Uh, Nico Collins finally showing up and doing something. I think there's things to like, and I think on offense there's things to like overall. I think where we need to be at, though, for at least the next two ball games, while Titus Howard is going to be out and why Juice Scruggs is going to be out, guys, you're, you're not going to be playing smash mouth football. That, that, that's just not going to happen. I'm, I'm okay with Damian Pierce getting carries, but basically it's going to have to be like that old-fashioned, we're going to pass the ball and the pass is going to open up the run. That's where it's going to have to be. You can't sit there and have seven guys in a box against this offensive line just sitting there saying, okay, here, Damian Pierce, you know, you're going to get somebody tackling you, trying to tackle you two, two yards in the backfield, and you're going to gain two yards because his, you're just a beast. yards after contact yeah, is fantastic. Because you're a beast, and then everybody's going to look at your average and go, like, why does Damian Pierce suck? And it's like, well, because he doesn't suck. It's his offensive line. He's getting touched yeah. two to three yards in the backfield on 85% of his carries. It's- but yeah, the second half this week, they finally started figuring out, okay, no play action pass because nobody respects the run when you can't run it. And we're going to start- And half the time when he comes off the play action, there's already someone chasing oh, down yeah. his fucking throw. Yeah, you got you to gotta get that ball out quick. You got to be popping. That ball's got to be out two, three, four seconds max. That ball's got to be out of there. Okay, if you're going to sit there and have him do a seven-step drop, you know, call up, you know, MD Anderson because I mean, you're you're sending your quarterback there, you know, before the game's even over. Defense, that's what's worried. That's what kind of disappointed me this last week is it just didn't seem to be much intensity there, especially when you get Gardner Minshew in there looking like Johnny Unitas. You know, what, what the fuck was that? I mean, that yeah. guy's a backup quarterback and he's just carving you up like you know you're. I think they yes. were more prepared for the athleticism of Richardson. They were kind of hoping, but they weren't all that prepared for that either. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they. I, I think realistically, if, if Richardson's in that game, it's a little closer in the end because I think he makes a mistake, right? Like I think he makes a bad yeah. throw or a bad read. Where where Minshew's a, a wily fucking veteran, man. He's just. I respect Gardner. I really do. I have no negative beef with that guy. He's he's carved us up in. Jacksonville, he's carved us up at Indy. Like he'll, he's carved us up in Philly. Like he will. He's, that's what he does. He's a butcher, man. He's out there carving every day. I, I am a little disappointed. Looking back now on the injury to Thomas, right, with the the moves the Texan made to to get to fifty three and, and the cornerbacks that they cut, because I think is, is it King? That yeah, Desmond King. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's gonna hurt a little bit right now. Like maybe. He wouldn't have been happy with his playing time for the first two games. Like, well, he would have been starting now, and he would have been playing in the slot. Like, I get it. He got burned in camp a couple times, but um, we're going to hurt there. Stingley's been fantastic, though, Scott. 
uh, not enough people are talking about how good Derek Stingley has been. People aren't even looking his way, and, and that's you want to talk about Dion. We were talking about we were talking about Dion earlier. Dion, when he would shut that side of the field down, you couldn't throw to that side. Well, you know what? Like Stingley has shut down his side of the field, and through two games at least, has has been a a bright spot on this defense and has shown Lovey Smith was a fucking idiot for how he used him. Well, so look at, you know, the two receivers that, you know, if you're looking at the best receivers by reputation uh, that, you know, he played against, OBJ had two catches. One of them was not on Stingley. You know, one of them was surely on Griffin. And then this last week, Michael Pittman, I, mean, I had to look up the numbers, but I don't remember his name getting called that often. So that's the best. I don't compliment. believe Stingley gave up a single catch. That That is the best compliment you can pl- uh, pay to a corner is not hearing his name. Because if you hear his name, it means either A, he's gotten a pick, yay, or B, he just got his ass burned for a touchdown. So, you know, that's Stingley. And even last year, Stingley, I don't think he gave up but maybe one or two touchdowns uh, in coverage. So, he, I mean, you're absolutely right with Lovey Smith. I mean, that was just a joke how he was being used. Stevie Nelson has, has graded out really well, of course, has the team's only interception. Um, and then Tavir Thomas, according to Power, uh, Pro Football Focus, was the number one corner in football following the first game. And he's still in the top 10, although he's got a broken hand. So, you know, he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I, you know, the 6'10 boys, they uh, they really, you know, uh, Clint Sterner and, and his partner in the afternoon show, they were torching the Texans for cutting King because they, they thought Thomas sucks. Well, I, I don't think Thomas sucks all that much, but he's hurt. Now you got Eric Murray was out with a concussion. I don't know if he's going to be back through the concussion protocol. Um, what I've heard is, uh, was it uh, Graylin Sutton is going to be the the uh, nickel corner this week? Good luck with that. Uh, although they do, they're going to have uh, Jimmy's going to be back this week. Jimmy Ward's going to be back. So it's been tough. As safety was supposed was supposed to be a strong point for this team. We just haven't seen it yet, right? Pichu gets hurt in the first half. Ward hasn't played yet. Um, I want to see this defense at full strength with with our two safeties back there because I think the linebacker play hasn't been has been bad. Uh 2 I believe is is how I'm if I'm saying that properly um or close enough. He 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 did the same thing he did in Alabama, right? Like he showed up on day 1, picked up the playbook right away, it was able to make an impact. Well, what does he do here? He shows up, he picks the playbook up and he's out there making plays. So I, I think we're in a good position. I'm very, very happy with C.J. Stroud. Offensive line is a joke. Um, and I didn't even mention Tank. I'll let you go ahead and do it. But I did pick him up in both fantasy leagues this week. All right. So uh, moving away from Houston, uh, talking to a, a guy that we call uh, at Battle Red Blog Name Redacted 2.0 uh, because there is a Name Redacted 1.0. Did you happen to see slash enjoy his Monday night performance? I I don't know who we're talking about here. I'm sorry. Oh, name redacted 2.0 would be uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, massage oh. boy. No, um, I didn't. I don't watch. I I got to be honest with you. I 
I don't watch Monday Night Football anymore unless my team's on it. It's it's not enjoyable anymore to me. It really isn't. I don't love the broadcast. I don't like the way it's presented. Uh, if anything funny happens on the Manning cast, it's all over social media. Um, my wife has it on sometimes, but like, I don't know, Scott. They just put Band of Brothers back on Netflix, and uh, damn, that's a good that's, show. That's something. Yeah, we we don't. Um, so yeah, I did we did the whole Hulu bundle, but we don't do Hulu uh, live. So we get some ESPN. I think we got the first Monday night game for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. But this one we had ABC, and we really wanted to watch the Saints because you know Janet's from Baton Rouge, huge Saints fan. But, you know, they put that one on the ESPN and they put the uh, Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. But let me tell you, watching the first pass of the game, pick six, watching uh, JJ's little brother pick up that fumble late in the game, you know, score the touchdown, which, you know, now that's our only first-round pick. So anytime Cleveland loses, that's, you know, it's good for us. And he just did not look good at all. I don't know what ha- what's happened to him, but he he hasn't. He looked terrible last year, and he's he's looked terrible in his first two games this year. Like I've seen some highlights of him. You're right, Scott. Do you think it was the year off? I don't know because he he looks stiff when he's running around. He does not look athletic. He, he's so, probably not getting his. Yeah, yeah. He's not as limber as he used he's to not be. Not as loose. He's all tight. Yeah, or maybe he's maybe he is getting massaged, but maybe it's by like uh. Oh. Uh, did you ever watch Psych? I did. I love that show. Uh, do you remember the episode where uh, where Gus ends up going to that spa, you know, to take a, a um, and he, so he's going in. He thinks he's going to get a massage from Kelly. It's a ends guy. up being Kel. Yeah, and this is huge muscle bound guy, and he's like, okay, I think I'm good. I'll, I'll just let myself out of here. <laughs> I mean, Classic. that's probably where Deshaun is. You know, he's he's met up with a few Kells, and he's like, and this is just not the same as what it Man, used to team be. Masseuses, these team masseuses just don't hit as hard as uh, the ones that I hit up on Instagram. Yeah. But not- also, too, like, I feel like when Watson's at his best was when he was kind of just like free-flowing, playing outside the pocket, and, and making plays, right? Like, and... He's not a guy who runs an offense on schedule, right? Like, if you look at some of his biggest plays as a Texan, he's rolling out of the pocket, running for his life, and makes a nice play. And it just so happens our offensive line was so bad, a majority of his a majority of his time was spent rolling and, and making plays on on the run or or using his legs. Whereas I think now he's being asked to do a lot more stuff on schedule, a lot more timing routes, a lot more. Uh, you know, reading stuff at the line of scrimmage, and 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 maybe that's just not the quarterback he is. Well, watching a Bill, watching a Bill O'Brien offense, it doesn't matter where it happens; it's the same thing. Whether it was at, at Houston, whether it was at Alabama, it's basically I'm going to spend two and a half quarters trying to run the football and failing miserably, and then my quarterback get, quarterback gets to play hero ball. Basically, I did watch the Patriots the other night. That's what I fucking. That's what I. I forgot he's the offensive coordinator. They pounded the ball up the middle so often, and it's like you know. And so basically, he he got lucked out by the fact that he had Bryce Young at Alabama and he had Deshaun Watson here, guys who could play hero ball. 
Mac Jones is not playing hero ball, folks. Um, that's you know that's not happening. So with Cleveland, I think that's the, that's the bit. It's like you know they were going to run with uh, with Chubb. Well, that's not happening this year. Um, I don't know if you saw that. That was disgusting. Uh, I, it yeah. was compared, I saw it was compared to Willis McGahee on Twitter, and I was like, ooh, I know exactly what that means. Do I want to go see it? I saw the and still then, shot. And then, Scott, what do you think I did? I, I, I went and watched that fucking video, and I, saw, I almost vomited. I saw the still shot, and that was enough for me. Um, I, I, I did not want to watch you know that any any further, but basically they don't have a run game now. And so, you know, now they're going to have to design well, they, an they offense. Just signed, uh, they just signed – They just signed – did they say yeah. Hunt? Okay, so but he's not in shape. I mean, he, there's no way. Ford ran for 105 yards on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, maybe so, but I, I yeah, that was basically like 60 yards of it on one carry. But true. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right on the money there. That you know, he's used to playing hero ball. And that's probably what he did at Clemson too. I didn't watch too much, you know, Deshaun Watson at Clemson, but he's probably either. that's probably what he did at Clemson. And so, you know, and that's kind of what Patrick Mahomes has done for a lot of his career. He doesn't but that necessarily offense, that he, guy runs a timing route. He, I mean, he can hit his timing routes. Oh yeah, he's not, and, and he's not a runner. Uh, his he's, he's a scrambler. He's not a runner. Yeah, he's a guy though that can throw the ball at any angle, arm angle, and just you know absolutely just stick. You know, getting into tight windows and and you know and, and like shovel passes. Like he just he's just a improviser on that level. He's, um, a, he's a more athletic Brett Favre. Yeah, um, although he doesn't throw as many picks as Brett Favre, so I mean that's True. that's a good just thing. A better, he's Brett Favre, but better. So, are there any teams in the league that, I mean, from afar that, you know, are surprising you at this point? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe the Lions a little bit, but I even thought they'd be pretty good. Um, I thought Josh Fields would take a step forward. I, I have him on in fantasy thinking, I thought really... You put weapons around him. This offense was set to take off. He's supposed to take that big year two drop or leap rather, and he's taken a huge step back. He's been garbage. He looks the, the word they put out there was mechanical, uh, robotic, and he blamed it on his coaching. So they and it, and I don't know if you saw this. Their defensive coordinator just resigned today. I did see that. That's uh, not good. Two games yeah. in. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that team. They but honestly, be- Scott, have you, have you been surprised? Like I feel like everything's kind of played out. I, I think- mean, maybe we've had some crazy games, but like the teams that were like going into the season, that you were like, these are going to be pretty good teams. Like Kansas, I mean, uh, Sandy, uh, not San Diego, LA Chargers, they're 0-2, but they've looked really good in both games. Like, I, I th- don't know. I think what is so weird, um, well, not weird, is just confirming how important coaches are. Like seeing what Indianapolis is doing with Shane Steichen, particularly when Anthony Richardson's in there. I don't know if you, uh, I've watched Philadelphia play, not both full games, but I've watched like a combined full game since they've been on national TV. They don't look as good. I mean, they're 2-0, but their offense does not look nearly as sharp. Yeah, Hurts hasn't looked as sharp for sure. 
And I think, you know, Steichen, you know, was that guy. And I think, you know, obviously I think the Bears are probably going to end up firing their coach after this year. Um, that's just going to happen. They made, they made the wrong call and letting these things happen. Um, I think um, you mentioned the Lions. What's so hard is that after two games is figuring out who's really good and who's really not. Like Tampa Bay being 2-0, and that blows my mind. And, and right now, Baker Mayfield's rated as a top-five quarterback. I, I never would have. But then again, who have they played? That's really hard to say. Um, I think, you know, Washington's kind of look better than what I thought they would. Uh, I think, um, I mean, Russell Wilson's looked better, but they're 0-2. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Hail Mary at the end of the game. That was wild. And then, of course, your two-point conversion, you can't convert. And that just sucks. But um, There should have been, a, there should have been a, uh, a pass interference. That guy got tackled. Yeah, I, I think. But they, I'm hearing, I'm hearing you know, stories that there's already friction in between uh, him and Sean Payton. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. He took away his office. Why would, I'm sorry. If I had a private office... <laughs> And then you come in and you're like, you don't get this anymore. I could be fucking pissed off. Like, regardless if I should have had it in the first place, the fact that I had an office and you took, like, let's even look away. Let's take the office out of it. I'm going to go from the, from the George Costanza mindset of I had my handicapped bathroom and now you're trying to take my handicapped bathroom away from me. No, I have a private bathroom. Yeah. I've never had my own office. Um, I mean, I guess if you consider a classroom an office, you know that, but no, I've never had my own office, so I, I can't relate um, on that level. But then again, he's also getting paid like tons of money. You know, and they, they they gave him an extension when they didn't have to. That was just the the worst you know situation. What if what if he showed up like because he took his office away? What if he shows up at the team practice facility with like like a Hollywood uh, like trailer? And like you take my office away, like I need, I need my space. I need to be able to watch tape. I need my space <laughs> outside of the locker room where I can just be me, Russ, oh, and do what I need to do. That's what I do. That'd be the next move I make is to rent like a trailer for the now, season. Where else can he do high knees and not bother people? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, that's Russ needs space uh, to be Russ. Yeah. So I, I, I think that you know. Circling it back to the Texans, I think the Texans are going to be fine eventually. I think, you know, they're still going to be winning that, you know, five or six games that I thought, you know, we thought kind of thought they would. Um, and then there's, you know, there's enough bad teams out there where I don't think they're picking in the top five uh, once everything is, is come and gone. But uh, it's going to be a brutal beginning, you know, until we get Titus Howard back and, and Drew Scruggs. Thank goodness we are getting Laramie Tunsil back this week. Tunsil will be back, and I think I think it's time to also get Singletary uh, a little bit more involved on the field and the screen, you know, passing game, right? Like, you're getting your ass blitzed off. Like, C.J. Stroud is a top three pressured quarterback in the NFL right now. You know what helps with that? Screens and draws. Why are we not getting our receiving back on the field early in – you know, early in, in, in a series, you know, it, it, we can run one before third down, right? You can run. I don't know if you knew this, Scott, you can run a screen on first down. You, you can know, and not and not to the receiver. You can do it to the running back. It doesn't have to be to Noah fucking Brown uh, twice in a row to lose yards. You can just 
let the pressure come and set up a screen to your running back if you're listening, Bobby Slowick. Well, Bobby Slowick, I, I tell you what, the, the play his that, play calling, his play calling is highly questionable through two games. Well, the, the, the play that got me is we're inside the five yard line, we're just gonna hand it to Andrew Beck, who's just gonna get blown up. Because, you know, he, he doesn't have quickness. He he's not, you know, sadly not as strong as Damian Pierce somehow, even though he's a fullback. You know, the other play was that kind of like that little stagger lead. They tried to run to Tank Dell or it ended up being a fumble, you know, behind the line. I mean, that, well, that, and that's bad execution as well. I mean, uh, Stroud throws it at his kneecap. You know, you're not really, <laughs> not, you're not putting him in his best position. But yeah, I, I think, I think that those things are going to clean themselves up hopefully over time. Um, before we get to our favorite segment of the week, did you have any uh, bad sports takes that you've come across here over the last week or so? I, I don't have a bad sports take, but I do have a couple bad sports things I'd like to address. First and foremost, uh, anyone who went after Ryan Presley's mother on Twitter after Ryan Presley blew a save on Monday night, you're a giant fucking piece of shit. Okay, Jan Presley is a gem. She is a wonderful lady. She's super nice on there. And we're fortunate as a fan base to have someone like that who's willing to interact with us, right? Like, we live in a day and age where it's tougher and tougher for someone like that to be out there and be willing to comment and... As a fan base, we are better than that. The same people who are going after Maldonado on social media, shut the fuck up, okay? Like, stop. We're better than that. We are not Dallas Cowboys fans. We are not New York Yankees fans. We are Astros fans, and we we have class, and we need to, to act in a way that uh, is becoming of defending champions because – immediately after Presley gave up that three run home run, people were tweeting at Jan Presley and it's fucking awful. Well, what kills me is that, you know, Tim and I, we text often during the Astros games and, and, and I, and I can't speak for him, but I purposefully did not want to talk too much about the Astros uh, during our show because, you know, frustrations kind of run high, you know, and things are not going well, but my God, I mean, the guy, he's a professional athlete. He's doing the best he can. And, you know, the guys on the other team are paid to play. Cedric Mullins is a hell of a hitter. You know, he's a guy that Houston fans for a while before Ch- uh, Chaz McCormick started becoming this year's version of Chaz were thinking, hey, let's make a trade for this Cedric Mullins guy. There, there's a lot of people out there who, who were saying that. I don't get it. Um Guy that I don't like, who, uh, but I think you know, it's kind of a funny comment he had years ago. Rob Dibble used to be on the MLB Network. I got into it with him on a uh, late night uh, sports radio show when he said, "There's no way Altuve could be hitting for power. He has to be on steroids." And I fucking lit this guy up on on his talk show. I was like, "No one talks shit when Pedroia hit 30 home runs. Like no one said Pedroia was juicing. Like just because this guy, like, oh man, I got into it." Well, but the, the funny thing he talked about is him getting a divorce and so him having to give up half of his fastball. And so, you know, you imagine now he's throwing it 50 miles an hour. That would be me as the Astros closer. 
I mean, there's no way. I I might clear 60 on the gun, maybe. You don't have 60. Uh, but if I did, I'd probably be getting Tommy John the very next day. I'm telling you uh, right now, I think I could hit 65 max right now. Yeah, and, and I would have to warm up to get there, right? But so we criticized Presley saying that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be the closer anymore. I think that's fair. That's fair commentary. Uh, it's fair commentary to sit there and say, how should this guy be best used? He went out there today, threw a scoreless inning in the ninth, allowed them to go out there and win the game in the bottom of the ninth. Did so, you see the, the Twitter user who, who might have fixed Ryan Presley? No, I didn't see that. He's, he was tipping. Uh, he, he had a slight tap to his glove before every fastball and no tap on the breaking ball. And, okay. And uh, somehow, like literally, it was pointed out to the Astros. It got back to the coaching staff. And it was addressed. And if you watch the game today, he did not do that anymore. Well, yeah, because I was, you know, he has given up. A Every He gets ton. ahead 0-2, and then everybody yeah. leaves. He cannot put guys away. That's what I've noticed. A lot, all the damage this year, 0-2. I mean, or, or just with two strikes, period. Because they knew the uh, breaking ball was – they knew he was going to bury breaking balls in the dirt, and they just laid off. Uh, so, I but I like Presley as a reliever because he has the lowest walk rate on the team. I don't know if you knew that. So he's a guy you want in your pen. I'm just not sure he's the guy you and want. He's the a guy you want in late innings, right? Yeah. Because you don't want guys in the seventh, eighth, ninth putting extra base runners on. That's one of the things you want in a high leverage reliever is a guy who's going to go out there and throw strikes. But right now, at this point in time, I think Scott and I both agree that Brian Abreu is is probably the best suited for that ninth inning role. Again, I have nothing but respect for Ryan Presley. I wanted to name my daughter Presley after his performance in the World Series, but it got vetoed. All Astros' names got vetoed. But that I, being said, I do this every time, though, and I say this every time. And you know, uh, remember uh, Anne would complain about her playing time in volleyball, and you know, we would have a kid out there who would suck. But thing is, you cannot blame the kid. Kids doing the best they can. It's the coach that's putting them in there. It's the manager. Now, uh, and I honestly though, I don't even blame Dusty at this point. If if you believe Ryan Presley's your, Dusty didn't do anything wrong in this series. In oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, at, when you're looking at it, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, I'm just saying. You're in, in position general, to win the game Monday in, night. You bring your closer in with a two-run lead in the ninth. You expect to close that one down, right? It, like Dusty, you're good by me. Tuesday, you played you played Diaz at catcher. Uh, you know, we just you know Hunter Brown got roughed the hell up coming off an of outing where he had no hits. Dusty, I, I have no issue with you there. And then today, um, I, I have no issue. I thought he he did a good job with pulling guys and pinch hitting late in the game, um, and we end up winning a, a, a two-one. Both, I mean. It was a great pitcher's battle. I, I don't know. You probably didn't get to watch today because you were in school, but Javier looked like Javier again. So, and again, so I know we're not trying to talk too much Astros, but like this series by themselves in a microcosm, you can't talk shit on Dusty on anything he did in this series. So I'm not going to go here for a scumbag, but I will go here for just a bit of commentary. There was a, uh, a, a conversation I saw on, I'm still going to call it Twitter. Uh, last night, where they updated us. So one of the reporters for the Rockets updated us 
on the whole situation that occurred with Kevin Porter Jr. when he walked out on the team during that one game against Denver. I don't know. Did you read any of that? I did, and and it pissed me off that it didn't come out at the time that it did. That's that's it right there. And what I hate is I hate when teams do this. I hate when they sit there and say we're going to cover for our guy because he's our guy. Um, he apparently, according to reports, for those of y'all who didn't pay attention to that, he destroyed I think a laptop and he charged at Lucas. I think security kept him from yeah they connecting. called him to hold him back. Um, and then Lucas introduces him to his goddaughter, who is the woman that uh, he ends up beating up. So I would. Did you I, see that her sister said? No, I didn't see that. Oh man, her sister like hops on Instagram and basically said like, "Long story short, you better be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life because at some point I will beat the ever loving shit out of you." Like literally, that is the hey, theme of the message he sent to her. I, you know, and, and I usually don't like vigilante justice, but I definitely get it. I definitely get it. And the thing is, and so we reported that they they had waived him last week. We were mistaken. Apparently, they have not done anything yet. They're basically doing the basketball equivalent of take my wife, please, where they're offering second round picks with KPJ just to get rid of them. And, and I don't see anybody going there yeah they're trying to get some cap space relief and i mean whatever it is what it is. as long as he's away from the team at this point and has basically been told you're never playing basketball again i'm i'm fine with that but whoever Scott- yeah whoever whoever knew that story and stat on it that's my bad sports take of the week because I mean, so all right scumbags it's been over a week it's been eight days so where are you headed with this one, Tim? I'm headed to a repeat offender. You know, Scott, you and I are both frequenters um, of the theater. We uh, we support the arts. My my local community theater offers all you can drink wine for its season ticket holders. Even with the all-you-could-drink wine, I've never gotten an in-theater handy from the wife. That's never happened. She's a little classier than that. But do you know who's not classier than that, Scott? Is Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, who literally was giving a fucking hand job while getting her breasts mauled in the middle of a family-friendly play, Beetlejuice. Then, and this, that's not even what makes her the scumbag to me. Like that's, I feel like that is on par for Lauren Boebert. Like when I saw that, I was like, fantastic. Love it. She's a douchebag, but whatever. Then they give her the out, right? They're like, she was kicked out for vaping. And she comes out to be like, I wasn't vaping. And they're like, fuck you, bitch. Here's a video of everything. So they put out the whole video. Well, the best part is Scott to me, this is what makes her the classic scumbag that she is. The guy gets doxxed, right? People go to find out who this, who this guy is. And it just so happens he's a registered Democrat. So not only does she break up with him, she blames the entire ordeal on the fact that this disgusting 
communist Democrat convinced her to go against her morals, something she would never do. It only happened because she was out with a Democrat. Like, what a fucking scumbag. Just admit it. Just admit it. I am a trailer park whore, and I am okay with getting felt up in public. And and you know what? We already knew that. We already knew exactly who you were. You are a fucking whore. That is who you are. You're, you're, you're a grandmother at 40 years old. You are white trailer trash. I'm sorry, she's 36 years old, not even uh, not even 40. You're trailer trash. We knew that. You, we laugh at you. But then to go out and, and to be like, it's because this guy was a Democrat. He just, ugh, you know how those Democrats are. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. This story hits me on two levels. Number one, the level, and I talked about this. I wrote about this on my Substack. So I invite everybody to go there. It's called a commercial break because I was taking my break from my fascism series to talk about this because this is just so juicy. Basically, I'm sure you did too. We knew people in high school like Lauren Boebert. There are people in high school who you you, know, you saw them, maybe didn't know them yet. Well, she's kind of cute. And then she opened her mouth. You're just like, nope, can't do it. She's and and here's the thing: she filed for divorce. Here's the other the other level of this thing: she filed for divorce uh, from her husband in May. Twenty years, you know. Uh, if you want to do the math, what's twenty minus thirty six, folks? Tim, that's that's illegal. That's what that is. <laughs> Well, you know, remember, she's a teenage mom, so I guess maybe there was a shotgun wedding involved. Fair but, enough. But my heart goes out to anybody who's going through divorce. I, I don't want to sit there and rain on somebody's, you know, somebody's parade and we're going through divorce. And I get it. You know, she's got, you know, there's pressures, there's all these things, and you have a guy that's showing you attention. I get it. But like you said, you just got to own it. You just got to sit there and say, okay, yeah, I was vaping. Yeah, I was being a little obnoxious with, you know, a woman in the, in the audience. Shouldn't have done that. You know, I, I didn't. But here, here's your family values Republican Party, folks. Right there on full display. And, you know, March. All you had to say is like, you know what? I'm back in the dating pool again. It got the best of me. Hot, you, We got a little hot and heavy. I'm sorry. It was a lapse in judgment. And you shut the fuck up then. Yeah. You don't go. You don't go. This Democrat socialist made me do it. You know how the, you know what the Democrats do. They fucking, he groomed me into this. He saw me on the street and he knew I'd be the one. To, he groomed me. It was, it was a grooming. Yeah. No, 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 not doing that. Okay. So. Um, I was actually going to go in a slightly different direction, and this was based on a video that I saw today, and that is that the, the Republican, uh, the Judicial Committee, decided that they wanted to bring in Merrick Garland into the hearing, and they wanted to actually charge him with contempt of Congress. This was our friend Jim Jordan, who a lot of the people I know, they spell it G-Y-M. That's kind of a joke because he was a wrestling coach when our favorite Dr. Vassar 
was committing all kinds of sexual assault, knew about it, didn't say anything. Boy, you're a good guy, Jim. Um, I don't know where he, you know, where he buys his suits, but apparently they, they don't, they don't give him the sports coat. I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird kind of deal, but. No, no, uh, that's part of like the hardworking Republican look. Cause you take your jacket off once you start working. I guarantee you like, that's part of his, like, I'm a, I'm a hardworking guy. Just like the rest of you. I don't like to wear this jacket. I take it off. I'm out there working with my hands. Like that's part of his fucking shtick. Well, Eric Swalwell, God bless him. He actually has a counter that is on a screen right in front of him where he points out that Jim Jordan, you know, Mr. I'm going to hold you in contempt of Congress, has not responded to the subpoena for him to appear before the January 6th committee. And you want to know how long he has been in contempt of Congress if they wanted to press charges? Probably more than a year. It would be 497 days because Eric Swalwell had it on the counter. That's how I knew. And he actually had it the full counter where he had an hour, minute, second, and it was just rolling. And then as, you know, Jim Jordan's walking out, says, he says, are you kidding me? They says, you're, you know, the, the biggest crime that anybody's seen, more prosecutions for that one, you know, that one single crime than any in the history of the United States. And they want you to appear. They want you to say, hey, what do I know? Were you one of the ones that asked for a pardon? Why did you ask for a pardon? Tell us, Jim. You know, why did you ask for a pardon? Why did your friend Margie Taylor Greene ask for a pardon? Why did your friend Matt Gates ask for a pardon? Do tell. Because, you know, we would love to know. Because, you know, people who ask for pardons, they're not innocent people. They've committed some kind of a crime. Because why else would you need to pardon them? Actually, Scott, I don't know if you saw this this week, but you're allowed to fire whistleblowers and it means you didn't commit a crime in Texas. I don't know if you saw those new rules, but you can do whatever the fuck you want, fire people who tell on you, and then it's still not against the rules. I saw that uh, Tony Busby had uh, developed his Halloween costume a little bit early and wants to go as a pumpkin. Uh, a little, little bit of orange face. What there. is it? What is it about crazy people and and over tanning? I don't know what it is. Like, why? Why do all these ass hats have to be orange? What I don't, and in what, and and if we want to make this a a joint scumbag, I'm I'm all favor of this one. But what what I don't get is why do we go to the effort? Because it's the Republicans that impeached him. It was the Speaker of the House. In the Texas legislature, who's a Republican, who spearheaded him being impeached. Why are we doing that? And why, you know, these guys, Dan Patrick, basically takes a $3 million donation in front of God and everybody. Where we're not even going to hide it. I, I had somebody on one of the message boards that uh, for Juanita Jeans. And she asked, hey... Who paid off the uh, the three point three dollars that he was fined? And it was like that would be us, the Texas taxpayers. What you know, if, if if it's any consolation, I think the feds will get him eventually. Although he's been under indictment for a really really long time, I'm wondering what in the heck is going on there. But I think the feds will get him eventually. 
Um, but I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, you got his wife coming on here, is talking about how, you know, my husband sues, Obama. I'm a pistol packing mama, and my husband sues Obama. I was it's so like, happy to move out of her fucking district. Like, she was my representative, and calling her office was like shooting yourself in the nuts with a nail gun. It was absolutely awful. And, and, and the current representative is, is not great as she tries to lecture me every time I call in on what conservatism really is about, which is like, fuck you. But either way, at least she's not Angela Paxton. Like at the end of the day, at least she didn't drive the getaway car for an indictment process because her husband's a cheating felon. And then she had to sit there. The I, I mean, to, to have to sit there and and sit through all that to hear about what a piece of fucking shit your husband is and then give the statements that she gave afterwards. Like if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about who these people are and what they care about, then Texas is lost. And it really is Scott. Like our, the older people in the state are so far gone in their thought processes. A lot of times it's, it's mind numbing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that so many people above the age of like 55 think the way that they do in the state. Well, and, and, and I wrote another piece I wrote on there, and this is, and I think I can attach this to Ken Paxton, but, you know, I wrote it mainly about Trump. And this is basically the three people that you want to die. And, you know, number one, everybody's had that relative who's like really in pain and sick. And you just want an end to the pain. That's everybody's been there. It's not a great feeling, but everybody's going to be there. Number two, everybody has that fantasy about that long lost cousin or uncle who is going to die and leave you millions of dollars. Um, I, I don't, I don't know anybody where that's actually happened to, but you know what? Let's live the dream. But the third thing, and this is the saddest one is the people who honestly are going to be happier when you're dead. And I, I include Ken Paxton in that. She probably will be happier when he's dead. And that's just the saddest thing I can ever think of. I mean, I want to make a joke, and I can't. Because that's just, it's horrible to think about. To think that, you know, somebody thinks that about you. That, And, and, and I think that's the case with Trump. All of his kids, they can't wait till he dies. Melania can't wait till he dies. The Republican Party can't wait till he dies. The only people who are going to be, you know, sad are the people who wear the red hats that don't know him. Those are the only people who are going to be sad. And Ken Paxton, you're right there with you. Greg Abbott, right there with you. Dan Patrick, right there with you. Nobody likes them, even Republicans. It's just sad. It really is, Scott. It's a it's a sad state of affairs. Texas is uh, it's it's different down here, y'all. <laughs> it's scary at times. Um, it's, and, and it sucks for those of us who have lived here our whole life and just uh, just enjoy like a lot of aspects of Texas that aren't the political scene, right? Like that's that's what makes it tough. But we're moving on to bigger and to better things. Um, it's been a fantastic week. We have. Um, God, you know, a pennant race coming down to the wire at this at this time next week. Scott and I could be pulling our hair out. 
Um, or who knows, maybe we, we clinch at that point, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the next, uh, in the next six days or so, but a lot going on. Uh, we're getting ever closer to the Ryder cup. Uh, I think next week, Scott and I are going to probably get maybe a little bit more, some Ryder cup stuff as we get even closer to that. Um, and yeah, and, and every week we get to see more and more of our, our franchise quarterback, CJ Stroud. Um, and, and hopefully this, this week as he's done what he's continued to do since he took this job, which is get better every week. Right. And, and, um, he had a great week last week. So if he can find a way to get better off of that, Scott, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, so we want to thank everybody who's joined us. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up here. Tim, where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter, Tim underscore Costello 10. Uh, although the rumblings is that Elon's going to start charging for Twitter. So the moment he does that, I am fucking deuces. But for now, Tim underscore 10, uh, Tim underscore Costello 10 on Twitter. Uh, you can also find the show on Facebook at the Snap Hook Podcast. Uh, it's also on my Substack. So for those of y'all, those of y'all who are not on the Apple podcast or the Spotify, uh, which yeah, I do want to take a moment just to ask this one question. Uh, Anne has kind of taken over my Spotify. And so she has made a list that she calls country music. And included in that, I think, is Soundgarden and Adam Ant. So, you know, we're both, you know, Janet and I are kind of both looking at that saying, I don't know where that's country. Those are guys wearing makeup. I, you know. Yeah, I got to say, the, the wife taking over your music account, it sucks, man. Like, I love my wife. I love my daughter. But, like, my recommendations now after having my Amazon account logged in on the, the home Amazon devices, especially the one in the kitchen that we all play music on while we're cooking and chilling and dancing. When you just want to get in the car and hit like recommendations for me, and then all of a sudden I'm just getting a ton of Taylor Swift, kills the vibe, man. Absolutely kills the vibe. We've been enjoying the XM. So, you know, that that's a good thing to have in the car. Um, they gave us like basically free for nine months. So, you know, we're enjoying it. I'm about to buy a new vehicle myself, so I'm probably going to get free XM for a little bit there. Yeah. So uh, you'll find me at Esparzella, like Tim. If uh, Elon pulls that move of charging me, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. In fact, you know, I think we should charge him, you know, for staying on Twitter. That's that's for you start paying me 11 bucks a month. I think that I think that sounds good. Uh, you can find me on my Substack. Thoughts from a native Texan. Um, I do write occasionally for Juanita Jeans and Battle Red Blog. Uh, but it's been a great week having you. Hopefully by this time next week, we'll have a AL West division winner to announce for you. And I think, yeah, I'm with Tim. Ryder Cup talk is going to be fun next week. So stay tuned for that. All right. We appreciate everybody who's made us a part of your week. We look forward to welcoming you back into the Snap Hook next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Snap Hook and making Scott and I a part of your week. Wanted to recognize that our intro song is called Energetic Indie Rock by Alex Grohl, and this outro music is Good Vibe by Twisterium. 
We appreciate everyone who tunes in each and every week and is part of the Snap Hook movement. We look forward to seeing you next week on the Snap Hook. Thank you.